Hello, my name's Bob Edwards, and I'm here with my wife, Helga. Today, we'd like to look at how and when a patriarchal bias against women was introduced into Bible translation and commentary. Many women today find reading portions of the Bible to be a hurtful experience. In far too many English translations, they read passages that seem incredibly prejudiced against women. The English Standard Version of the Bible, for instance, has recently changed the language of Genesis 3.16 to make male authority seem like the will of God. The King James Version uses a man's name for a woman named Eodia, who was a co-worker alongside Paul in the Gospel ministry. The New American Standard Version of the Bible adds words and phrases to 1 Timothy 3.8 in Ephesians 5.24 that make male authority seem like the will of God in the church and in the home. All of these English versions of the Bible translate Isaiah 3.12 as if God is opposed to women in leadership, and the list of distorted passages goes on. Reading these and other English translations of the Bible can be extremely demoralizing. They sound very prejudiced against women. What many people do not seem to realize, however, is that this prejudice cannot be found in the oldest, most consistently reliable manuscripts of both Old and New Testaments. Hebrew manuscripts found among the Dead Sea Scrolls do not contain it. It cannot be found in the earliest Greek translation of the Old Testament, known as the Septuagint. It is absent from our oldest manuscripts of the Greek New Testament. In fact, a strong patriarchal bias against women was introduced into Bible translation and commentary beginning in the 3rd and 4th centuries A.D. To explain how and when this bias emerged, I'd like to read from chapter 1 of our book entitled The Equality Workbook, Freedom in Christ from the Oppression of Patriarchy. In 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, we read, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that the writing of the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. In it, we find eternal truths and the path to salvation. The part of the Bible we call the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The part called the New Testament was originally written in Greek. In the 4th century AD, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. Shortly thereafter, both Old and New Testaments were translated into Rome's official language, which was Latin. Beginning with this translation, the meaning of passages within the Bible concerning women began to change. Rome was a very patriarchal culture. In other words, men held power in government, religion, and in their households. To a large extent, a Roman worldview was also shaped by an ancient Greek philosophy called Platonism. Platonism was also very patriarchal, teaching that the inferior desires of women and slaves must be held down by the virtuous desires and wisdom of free men. Platonism was dualistic. In other words, all of life was divided into superior and inferior categories. 
The mind and the spirit were viewed as superior to the body and the emotions. Men were viewed as superior to women. Free men were viewed as superior to slaves. Platonism was also hierarchical. Plato believed that the superior must rule over the inferior in every aspect of life. This hierarchy was described as the order in nature or natural order of things. By the third century, Platonism had become very spiritual. New Platonists, called Neoplatonists, taught that embracing the hierarchical order in nature would help people move closer to God. In this so-called natural order, men had to rule over women, and the spirit had to rule over the body completely. The body was viewed as a prison for the soul. The connection between body and soul had to be severed. It was not enough to manage or regulate the body's impulses, they had to be extinguished. The translator of the Latin Bible, St. Jerome, was strongly influenced by this philosophy through the commentary work of a man named Origen. A commentary is a book that shares the author's interpretation of Bible passages. It is not to be confused with the Bible itself. In the third century AD, Origen attended a Neoplatonic academy in Alexandria. The philosophy he learned there influenced him to view God and the Bible in hierarchical terms. He began to view the Trinity as an eternal hierarchy of persons, in which the inferior Son and Spirit were seen as subordinate to the all-powerful Father. He also applied this hierarchical perspective to relationships between men and women. Another student of this academy was a non-Christian philosopher named Plotinus. Plotinus' books, called the Enneads, strongly influenced the 4th century AD commentary work of St. Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo. In his Confessions, Augustine praises the books of the Platonists and explains that they helped him to make sense of the Bible. St. Jerome's Latin translation of the Bible and St. Augustine's commentaries remove Bible passages from their original languages and contexts and place them into a very hierarchical Neoplatonic framework. These developments significantly influence the emergence of patriarchal theology in the Church. In fact, a careful study of the lives of some of the most influential theologians of the 3rd and 4th centuries AD reveals that those largely responsible for a patriarchal shift in Bible translation and commentary were all strongly influenced by Neoplatonic philosophy. And these were men such as Origen, Jerome, Augustine, and Chrysostom. This is a very important observation. Neoplatonism, along with the patriarchal norms of Roman society, influenced these men to translate and interpret the Bible with a systemic bias against women. Even when Bible passages would say nothing about women being subordinate to men, these theologians would infer male authority from the text. An inference is not something stated by the author of a text, it is something that is assumed by the reader. In the 16th century AD, this bias against women was carried over into the Protestant Reformation by theologians such as John Calvin, who relied heavily on the commentaries of St. Augustine to develop his own views. 
St. Jerome's bias in Bible translation was also carried over into a 16th century Latin version of the Bible written by a man named Erasmus, yet another Neoplatonist. Erasmus' Latin translation became the basis of the first English translations of the Bible, which still influence how the Bible is understood today. Some have suggested that if we question the translation or interpretation of Bible verses concerning women, then we are undermining the authority of God's Word and calling every principle it teaches into question. This is simply not accurate. Neoplatonism influenced some of our theologians and translators in very systemic and identifiable ways. Though this error is pervasive, it does not affect what the Bible has to say about other important issues. Confidence in the divine inspiration of the Bible is not undermined. In fact, confidence in God's Word is likely to increase once the bias of patriarchal culture and philosophy is removed. Credibility is enhanced when errors in translation are recognized and corrected rather than denied. In this podcast series, we will be reading Bible passages that are free of patriarchal bias. We will be reading from a number of different English translations that have taken some important steps towards correcting this error. We will also take a close look at the oldest Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic manuscripts of the Bible, contrasting these with later Latin, Masoretic, and English copies and translations. The Masoretic text is a Hebrew version of the Old Testament that added vowel markings to the Hebrew scriptures between the 6th and 9th centuries AD. Unfortunately, in some instances, these vowel markings changed the meaning of certain passages, once again introducing a patriarchal bias against women. In addition to examining ancient Bible manuscripts, we will also take an in-depth look at the historical and cultural context of the biblical books to get a better sense of how their message was understood by their original audiences. In our next podcast, we will begin our study by reading from the creation story found in the Bible's first book of Genesis.